Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Haney from Raymond Word of Faith, the Word Church. We are continuing to talk about division in the church, and we have used as our springboard 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 10, as he talks about, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no division among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and body or mind and thought, rather, excuse me, my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And so he talks about this division, and we have spent the last few days talking about division and how certain people liked Paul better Certain people liked Apollos better. Certain people liked Peter better. And they began to divide over which one they liked better. Instead of being united in the gospel, being united about what God had called them to do and to be, they were dividing over, oh, I like him better and I like him better. And we probably would say we don't see that as much in church today, but the division is still just as prevalent today. I think we talked a couple of days ago about the fact it would have been nice if they read this letter and they said, man, he's exactly right. We got to quit dividing. We got to get together. We got to be united. And from then on, the church was united. Unfortunately, we see these same sorts of divisions in the church today. We see churches dividing over. Um, I was just talking to somebody this morning, whether you have instruments or not. You know, some churches have instruments, some don't. Some people sing, some don't. And it's okay, I guess, for people to have differences of worship style, and, and we've talked about differences in style. But when you start talking about they're not a real believer because they don't do it the way we do, that's the kind of division I think that Paul was talking about and the kind that we need to see gone. People will divide over things like ties. There, there are churches that think the mark of a real pastor is he's wearing a tie. 
Then other churches think, well, the mark of a dead church is the pastor's wearing a tie. And so then people start making opinions about each other, making divisions over what is essentially just style. Yes, one person likes this method of dress. Somebody else likes that method of dress. But you're just talking about style. You're not talking about substance. And yet people divide over those kind of things. Oh, I would never go to a church like that. They're dead because they're wearing suits and ties. And then somebody else says, well, I wouldn't go to a church like that because they're not real believers because if they were, they'd be dressing better. And so the idea that division is gone from the church is not true. There is still division in the church. But as Paul says, was Christ divided? We have to ask ourselves, is Christ divided today? And the answer is obviously no. And so we have got to stop dividing ourselves up over things that are not important. Yeah, and when I hear you speak of division in the church, I keep hearing it's division in God's people. God's people. Because, yes, we can get caught up on what a church service should look like. But but I believe God's more interested in that Monday, that Tuesday, that Wednesday, that Thursday, that Friday, that Saturday. Are, are you guys in unity then? Are, are you doing what I commanded in my word for you to do? And, and, and most of that is loving one another, respecting one another, honoring one another. And again, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about, you know, the body being in unity. And I was just reading that one scripture where it says that there should be no schism in the body, that uh, all the members should have the same care for one another. It says that in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and, and, and my Bible has a subtopic. That's why I love my body. It says unity and diversity in one body. And it starts off in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse, oh man, the whole chapter 12 is good. In your own time, just read all of it. But I'm, I'm going to pick it up at 12.12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So he's saying, yes, and again, I always look at my body, and I'm like, well, I got lots of body parts, and I know they all have different functions, but they're all to help me to fulfill my purpose and again i can't get mad at the feet because the feet has their function my eye has its function and i just have to honor each member and i think as we start doing that monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday come sunday when we have a church service i think we'll we'll win in that area too but it has to start we, we disagree throughout the week more than we do just on Sunday. <laughs> Sunday is just where it all comes to a head at. But throughout the week, I was speaking with a gentleman this morning about identity in Christ. And I know the Bible talks about spiritual Christians and carnal Christians. And I remember one pastor told me he don't like to use the word carnal Christian. or he doesn't. And I was like, well, it's in the Bible. You don't like what the Bible says. And obviously he must have been that carnal Christian. But just talking to a, a brother in Christ this morning, and I was just telling them, you know, once you get saved, Jesus is your new Lord, and he's your owner, and God wants you to believe that and act on that. So I was telling him about uh, a particular person that was getting out of a jail, and uh, his response was like the world's response. Well, what are they going to do for work? 
And I'm like, well, this person has been persecuted for righteousness sake, for the word's sake. Their faith is on fire. Their trust <laughs> is in the Lord. They trust in the Lord with all their heart. They ain't leaning to their own understanding. And that own understanding is a world understanding, which the scripture tells us don't be conformed to. So he's like, well, what are they going to do? I'm like, well, if God is your source and he owns you, I'm pretty sure he's not concerned about a label that the world will give you. God's only concerned about the label that he gives you. <laughs> and he says you're a child of the most high God. And he wants you to have faith in what he said and believe that. So, But this guy kept on telling me, yeah, but we're in the world. And I say, yeah, but we're in the world, but not of the world. I kept on saying, but we're in the kingdom. And God has a certain way that, there's a scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. So if God said it, that settles it. And that's what we have to be with the word when it comes to unity. If God said it, let's just do it his way. If he said there no, should be no schism, okay, there's no schism. If he says over in Ephesians, another scripture I'm going to look at, he says, endeavor to keep the unity of the faith. Faith is always in Jesus Christ which equates to God's word, well, let's endeavor to do that. And again, the opposite of not doing that is not doing it. So a lot of people just feel I don't have to do that. I can pick and choose what I want to do. I don't have to do what the scripture says. And again, you don't get the benefits. His kingdom doesn't manifest in your life because you choose to be conformed to the world, to rely and trust on the world system, which is fallen and corrupt, and some of us choose to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living, everlasting word of God. And, and we just do it. it. It comes back down to not being just hearers of the word only, but doers also. It says if you're a hearer and a doer, you'll be blessed. Okay, concerning unity. We, he gave us his word on it, which is his will. All we have to do is do it. It's that simple. Believe what he said. Obviously, that's what we call ourselves believers. We believe the word of God. So if the word of God says endeavor to keep the unity, okay, I can. Remember, there's another scripture that says it all have to do with you. Live peaceably with all men. Okay, he put it back on me. And we're always wondering, well, God won't do this. I want to do this. And God says, no, I, I, I said before you this day, death, life, blessings, and cursings. Choose life. And how we choose life is his word, by doing the word. And we don't want to do that. We want to do we want to stay conformed to this world, which the scripture tells us to be ye transformed by the renewing our minds. We got to renew our minds to what God says and let that be. Let Jesus be Lord. <laughs> let his word be the alpha and the omega. And, and again, I believe as a body, the body of Christ, Christians in this country, we are not moving forward because we're having this form of godliness. Well, you know, one of the biggest problems is when you talk about divisions and we're not to have divisions. A lot of times I think we forget that the flip side of that is that we're to be united. So then you say to yourself, okay, it's not enough not to just have divisions. We also are supposed to be united. What are we united in? I think the church has lost focus. And that what are we to be united in? We're to be united in, as you said, the word of God. So we're to be united in that. We're to be united in... The Great Commission. We're all to go out and share the gospel. We're all to go out and let people see God's love and joy 
and compassion in us as we live our well, life. What if the world doesn't see it in us? And Jesus said that in John 17. By this, all men right. will know this that. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> we need to be united in that, that, that what is, why has God left us here? He left us here so that we could manifest his love, his compassion, his mercy, his grace to the world, that they would see him in us and that we could show them him through the way that we live. We're to be united in that. We're to be united in loving each other. We're to be united in, in sharing the gospel. And so that is our purpose. That is what we're here for. Unfortunately, too often the church has fallen into the trap of thinking the reason why we're here is to continue our particular congregation and our continue to continue our building and to make sure that we can pay all our bills and keep the balls in the air and everything working. And mm -hmm. so we have lost focus. And so well, that's we, that form of godliness the scripture was talking about. But I about. mean, then we look at somebody else who's not exactly like us. And then we start focusing on them and what's wrong with them. And that becomes our main focus. And then somebody else looks at us and says, oh, they're not exactly right. And that becomes their main focus. And so the church loses. What was the purpose of the church to go out into the world and proclaim the gospel? To go out in the world and show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and compassion. And yet, what is the church doing? It's it's it says, you know, maybe that was our original goal, but that's not our goal now. And our goal now is to just you know, you hear people say this about politicians all the time. What what is the number one goal of any politician? Get reelected. Mm -hmm. What is should be the goal of any politician? Do represent the people that elected them. Not get reelected. Well, churches have had the same problem, I think. The number one goal of every church should be to lift up Jesus Christ. But too often, the easiest thing for people is the number one goal of their church is to keep the doors open and to try to function and or guard against somebody else and what they're doing. When the whole primary goal of the church should be to raise up Jesus Christ. And so the church has to remember, what is it even here for? Well, and, and like Jesus said, I, I believe part of the church's purpose and responsibility is to advance the kingdom of God, which is a superior government. That's the one that was prophesied over in Isaiah. You know, unto us a child is given. A government shall be upon this shoulder. And of the increase of that government, there shall be no end. And again, I believe when we start renewing our mind to having a kingdom mindset and, and start getting revelation of what, like you said, what, what our purpose is and not what the devil, Jesus said it. You say, beware about wolves in sheep clothing, meaning people are going to come into the church, into the body of Christ, wolves, demonics, <laughs> and, and, and try to get their will being done. And God says, no, I desire that my will be done, that my kingdom come, that my will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we, gotta, we can always simply ask ourselves, how is it done in heaven? Are, is there division in heaven? Is Christ divided? Are they up there in, our, in heaven arguing over whatever, small stuff that we're down here? Or are they pleasing to the Father? Yeah, somehow, you know what I don't see in heaven? Are separate buildings where people are worshiping God in different buildings. No, we was talking about that this morning. God wants a 
church of all nations. I mean, we're like that. You see this building over here, and those people are worshiping one way, and then there's another building in heaven, and those people are worshiping another way. I don't see that in heaven. I just no. see everybody's worshiping God together. Right, and that's what God wants. And we, but again, there's, there's a scripture that said, "There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's death." So you can be doing something long enough that it, it looks religious, but it could be tradition. Like having the piano on that side. It's been there for 40 years. It's just We do things out of tradition. There's a, a quick story. Uh, this lady uh, was cooking a rose. And our husband said, honey, uh, why are you cutting the end off that rose? Why you Every time I see you cook a rose, you cut the end off of it. She said, I don't know, baby. Uh, Mama always did that. Let me call Mama and ask her why she always cut the end off the rose. So she called Mama. Say, Mama. I just noticed every time you made a roast, you always cut the end off of it. She said, honey, I don't know why I did that. Your big mama always did that. Let me call big mama and ask her why she always cut the end off the roast. She calls big mama. Big mama, why I you always cut the end off the roast? I grew up and saw you cutting the end off the roast. She said, well, honey, I cut the end off the roast because the pot wasn't big enough. <laughs> so, again, it had went through three generations. Tradition. Nobody knew why they were doing it. Nobody knew it, but but it seemed right. It seemed hey, this well, is what we've been doing. That's where it's always been done. So we can do like we can do stuff like that in the body of Christ in the church, out of tradition. And Jesus got on the religious leaders about that, saying you do things out of tradition, and you avoid the weightier things of, of the law. Right. Well, tradition and doctrine aren't the same thing. Right. So uh, we have to be careful. Not to establish our own traditions and make that religious. We've been doing this so long, it seems religious, you know. And again, well, it seems like it must be biblical, right? Well, Jesus got on religious people again about washing of hands. I mean, the only uh, the only biblical instrument is a piano and an organ. Yeah, of course. I've, I've known people <laughs> right, that right. actually believe that that right, the right, only right. real. You know that the drums they're the devil and the guitars are the devil. The only real biblical instruments are. Are the piano and the organ. And, and, and I was telling somebody the other day, I said to them, do you think they had a piano and organ in Jesus' day? you think Jesus turned around and said, hey, drag that piano over here, yeah. Peter. It's your turn today. They didn't have a piano. They didn't have an organ. And yet for a lot of people, the Tradition. only real biblical instruments are a piano and, and if you an got organ. And if you got a lead guitar, a bass guitar, you, you must be a heathen. Oh, we yeah. Know, yeah. If you have and a drums, saxophone, that's the devil. yeah, and a saxophone, oh man, that's just out of here. So we have to get a lot of this. It's back to uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to renew your mind to the Word of God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to to teach you and to train you and to give you perfect knowledge of every situation and every circumstance. And we don't seem to do that. We seem to just want to lean to our own understanding. Well, see, we focus on the things that we're different about. Mm -hmm. We don't focus on what we're the major things that we have the same. We focus on the things that we're different, mm -hmm. where we don't aren't exactly alike. And then that becomes our focus. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? That just blows up. And to the point where that's all we see. And then all I see is that you're different. And since you're different, you must be what? You must be wrong. You must be wrong. I like what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. He says, uh, my prayer and desires for Israel that they be saved. Oh, it's 10-1. Look what it says here. Brethren, my heart and desire for and prayer to God for Israel. Now, we can change Israel to anybody that they may be saved. 
For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they're being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And he's saying basically they going off their own understanding. They well, don't the righteousness have, of God is faith in Jesus Christ. Right, but they, they think it's this, that, and the other. They think it's no drums. Well, see, here's <laughs> the interesting thing when you talk about that kind of issue is that Adam and Eve sin, they realize they sin, and so they try to cover up their sin with fig leaves. Man is still doing the same thing. We recognize we're a sinner, so we try to cover up our sin. How do we try to cover it up? We try to cover it up with giving to people, the poor. We try to cover it up by doing more good than bad. We try to cover it up somehow. We know it's there, but we try to cover it up. Well, we can't cover up our own sin. No matter how much good stuff we try to do, the Bible says that our righteousness is filthy rags. So as we're trying to our hardest to cover up our sin, it will never, ever work because we can't cover it up. And it can only be covered by God's righteousness, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Right, and that's that blood, man. Only the blood. Where there's no shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And again, it's back to unity and love. Scripture says love covers a multitude of sins. So when you're walking or living in the love of God, which is walking and living by faith in God, that's love. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my words. You'll keep my commands. That's the ultimate test. If you really say you love God, okay, why you ain't doing what he told you to do? If he told you endeavor to keep the unity, why don't you do that? If he tell you there should be no schisms in the body of Christ, that one, if one member suffers, the rest suffer with him. Man, I just started pastoring here where we live in Chico. And I know that ain't the truth. And these churches, congregations that have been here 40, 50, 60 years before I got here, man, they ain't concerned about you advancing the kingdom. They're concerned about their congregation, their right. church. This is what I was talking about earlier. We can't be concerned with just our particular congregation and keeping not. the doors open and may, making sure that, you know, we don't lose anybody and making sure that things run smooth. I've t I talk to people and they'll say, um, man, we had a good church service today. I'll say, good. What, what happened? They said, everything ran smooth. Mm -hmm. Somehow we get the idea that if everything runs smooth, nobody gets out of line, nothing really happens, just you went from one song to the next and the preacher spoke and everything went smooth. That was a good service. Everything went smooth. I'll never forget what Joel Osteen said. And we know they have one of the, what's referred to as a mega church. They're in the Compact Center in, in uh, Dallas, Texas. At Dallas? Yeah, Houston. Dallas, Houston. I believe it's Houston. Yes, Houston. But anyway, they started off in a little feed store. And as they started growing, uh, John Osteen, he was saving up some money for the expansion. And he said, God put it on his heart to go give all the money that they were saving up for expansion to this little Spanish church down the street that just started up. And he said, well, I know that ain't God. But he, <laughs> he, he, but he heard from God and he said he acted on what he believed he heard. And he went down there and gave all their building fund money to this little startup Spanish church. Well, today we know what uh, the Osteen's ministry is like. What is it called? Uh, what's the name of their church? <laughs> anyway, it's in Houston, Texas, uh, the Osteen's. But they have one of the big, and Joel attributes that to his father planting into that little ministry. And again, we don't have that mindset. I ain't saying all of us don't, but you have to, be able to sow somewhere else. And that's what God means when he says, 
when one member suffers in the body of Christ, he ain't just saying in your congregation, in the body of Christ. When God sees Chico, he sees the church of Chico. He don't see such and such congregation. No, he sees all as one. And he's looking at us and say, you guys aren't acting like one in Chico. You can't be, because I know what one means, because I established it. See, and it's not just Chico, it's just all over California. Yeah, it's all over, all over but, but we live here, so I'm speaking on here. And as a new pastor here, I, I've seen it. You know, everybody's got their own agenda. And if God called somebody else to start a ministry, and again, people think that the only way, this is another one, the only way God called you to ministry, he sent you to seminary, cemetery, I mean seminary. And if you have to have all these degrees in theology. And, and that's not true. God calls who he wants to call. So again, they won't justify you <laughs> or certify you if they believe that you didn't go through the protocol that they did. Because that's the route that they went through. They think if God just calls so-and-so, well, they must not be anointed. And again, God says, no, they're a part of my body. And you who are spiritual, you're supposed to know what to do because you claim you know my word. And that's interesting. So somebody can go to seminary and still not have a relationship with God. Right. <laughs> still I mean, not know the, the called word. By God to do right, right, right. They just went, they career passed themselves to go to seminary. And again, uh, I, I study the scriptures and I encourage and challenge myself not to be just a hearer but a doer. I, I'm my greatest critic when it comes to examining myself to see if I'm in the faith. And, and I'm a, I consider myself a new believer. I got saved 14, 15 years ago. So I'm still a teenager in Christ. In Christ. I'm 50 years old, but I'm a teenager in Christ. I didn't get saved till I was 38. But I see some of these, and I'm going to use this word, cats. <laughs> I see some of these guys... 40, 50 years, and, and I'm like, well, where's the fruit at? You should look like what this said. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be still striving with people. You should be out producing what God said your tree is supposed to produce. And again, you can get caught up in tradition, and I, I call that, refer to that as playing church, and it'll all look normal because everything rises and falls on leadership. If the blind lead the blind, they all going to fall into a ditch. So we have to just remember, we're supposed to be loving one another, endeavoring to keep the unity, advancing the kingdom. That should be our mindset. If somebody else start a new church, and you know God's called them, and you probably don't have to really know if they know if God. If they say God called them, well, okay, God called you. If you're preaching the gospel, we should be supporting that, coming behind that. Not say, oh, you're on your own. Like I say, when we started the ministry, not one other congregation in Chico, and believe me, I knew a lot, and I was fellowshipping with a lot of them. Not one of them came and said, hey, do you need a chair? Do you need a podium? Not one. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says when this guy, Samaritan, when this guy was beat up on the side of the road, the religious people overlooked him. The ones that didn't have a relationship with God came and gave him some assistance. And Jesus said, which one showed him love? Which one was a neighbor? Amen. And that's going to do it for this segment of Faith on Fire. Again, we're out of time, but we're definitely not out of faith. So we just thank you. And I uh, want to remind you as you go through this week, keep walking by faith.
If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you would consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us again next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.